Welcome to Vetterview. My name is Cesar Rubio, and I created this podcast to show some raw experiences and challenges service members face during service and transition to the civilian world. I'd not only like for us to be able to share our experiences, but offer advice to others who could be facing similar challenges and give people a different perspective and understanding to the challenges we face. And boom. All right, so this is going to be episode 13. And uh, our guest here is Jason. If you want to give a quick introduction and your time in service, brother. So, uh, Jason Menendez. I was uh, in the Marine Corps from 2004 to 2010. Uh, I was with uh, 3rd Battalion, 24th Marines, uh, Kilo Company. And I was with uh, 1st Battalion, 24th Marines, Charlie Company. All right. So um, what were, you say were some of the reasons that you joined and... Would you say that you were looking to get something out of the military? Uh, well, I'm part of that whole, uh, you know, 9-11 happened. I was in high school and uh, I was a sophomore. I remember I was sitting there in band class, but I watched it on the TV. And at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I, I was going to do something. Sure. Uh, and uh, like I was telling you earlier, like I was just, I was always that kid that was in trouble. I was always fighting. I, I ended up, I went to like 10 different schools throughout my, you know, childhood school career. Uh, always in trouble fighting. And then uh, my grandfather was Marine and uh, I got into it with my parents one day and I just took off. I walked five miles to the, to the recruiter station yeah. and I signed up. Uh, I was in the depth program and uh about a week went by, maybe 10 days or however it went, and uh, I got into it with my parents again. They took my car away. <laughs> so I was like, well, fuck you guys. And I, I walked to the recruiter station again, yeah. and I said, all right, I want to go now. And uh, I remember that, that Gunny, Gunny Reynolds, he was a wild man. He was like the head of the the whole recruiting section mm -hmm. for like Jefferson County. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. He made a phone call, and then I went back to my house with the recruiter, and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to Marine Corps today, and uh, I slept in the hotel that night. And what 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 did your parents night. think, bro? Were your parents like, no, you know, like, you can stay, it's all good, or did they try to convince you, or were they just all about it? Were they obviously a little bit worried? Uh, no, they were just they were just more like just awestruck, like, oh, my God, he did it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I remember my dad, my dad works right next to the federal building. And when I was sitting there at MEPS or whatever, I, uh, I went down after lunch or like they gave us our lunch break or whatever. And I, he brought me up to his laboratory and he broke down. He cried. It's like, I've seen my dad cry like three times in my life. Wow. And he cussed me. He said, you motherfucker, you weren't <laughs> supposed to, wasn't supposed to do this. <laughs> He said he was proud of me and he set me on my way. Yeah, but of course, you know, being a parent, fucking, especially joining the Marine Corps during that time frame, you know, he he. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that, that was probably that was August. That was August seventeenth, two thousand and four, because I showed up to boot camp August eighteenth, two thousand and four. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, what what MOS did you did you end up going with? I was uh, infantryman 0311. Okay, and did you sp did you? Uh, uh, pick that MOS for a specific reason, or you just wanted to do Marine shit, you wanted to go out there and you, you know? Uh, actually, I scored kind of high on that ASVAB, I guess, because, uh... Like, most of you, what the fuck is wrong with you guys, dude? Most of uh, you guys are fucking... Everybody thinks grunts are dumb, right? For some reason. Right. 
and then fucking you you hear about like their their stories and their ASVAB and shit, and it's like, god damn, y'all motherfuckers had options. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, I remember that Sergeant Sergeant Brown or whatever at the Met station was uh he was like, Well you score you can do this, you can do this. I was like, No, I want to be Marine Corps infantry like my grandfather. Yeah. He was like, Are you sure you wanna do you don't wanna do this? And I was like, No, I wanna be a rifleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sure that shocks a, a bunch of the recruiters. And uh, I got asked a few times. I didn't get to go that route. I actually went in open contract. But um, oof. yeah, oof. Luckily, I got motor T. Luckily, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of recruiters are like, "Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to go infantry?" And it's like, "Yeah, dude, let's just fucking go that route." You know, whatever. Um, did you did you intentionally want to join into the reserves unit, or like was it like you wanted to? Was it was it something that you had heard about it, or how was that? I mean, it's kind of like actually one of my biggest uh, regrets, I guess, in life is that I went to the reserves because mm. I was kind of like half in, half out. Sure. And I really I should have just went active duty and just because I tell you, like being eighteen years old and then joining the reserves, so you go do your you know your boot camp and your mm-hmm. MOS school, you go to SOI. Uh, you get all that done, and then you come back, and then back in 2004, 2005, I graduated SOI, uh, and then with the way the workups are starting to go, and all that stuff, like, trying to find a job and do all that stuff, like, nobody's got hired. You know, was, oh, oh, you gotta be gone, oh, you gotta be gone now, oh, you gotta be gone now. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's never worked. It's just... So it wasn't really as beneficial as you... Did you go in with the idea that you thought it was gonna be, like, the, the best option for you? Yeah, I did. I did think or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my biggest problem is the same problem every Marine has is, you know, I was back. I wanted to chase, chase tail, you know. Like, mm-hmm. was, yeah, dude, that's it. You that. know, I didn't want to leave that. I was, you know, I right. around. Yeah, but, you hear that a lot, to be honest. And that's a, that's a big thing where it's like, oh, my girlfriend doesn't want me to join. And a lot of guys don't join because of that. But, I mean, you at least went in and, and you fucking uh, and you joined for it. So, so um when uh when would you say when was your when was your guys's first deployment uh our first deployment i guess uh workup would have started uh i think march march of 2006 uh but then like we already knew that we were getting uh well we didn't get activated my particular unit did not get activated this time they had just come back from a pump okay and so uh, everyone that did not go on that pump, all the junior Marines, mm-hmm. got voluntold that we were going to augment to uh, 1st Battalion, 24th Marines. And so the Marine Corps, what they did is they put together this giant hodgepodge unit mm-hmm. uh, to create that, the you know, to fill that battalion up. And it was just reserves from everywhere. And then we had a bunch of active duty leadership and stuff come in. Uh, so I was in 1st Battalion, 24th Marines, Charlie Company. Uh, Masio was uh, Captain Michael Main, and he—that's uh, one of the. That man is a warfighter. I mean, absolute warfighter. Uh, yeah. He used to run. He he would run around the souk in Fallujah with a with a fucking baseball bat in his hand. Really? <laughs> I swear to God. Like a fucking inglorious bastards. You're just fucking. Yeah, that that dude. He was he was no he was no joke. He's still. He's still private contracting out there somewhere. Oh, really? He's doing some Blackwater yeah, shit. Yeah, he is. If there's no war to, if, if there wasn't a war to fight, he would just 
crumple internally. Like that's right. what that man has to do. Yeah, some 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 guys are just like that. You know, they're, that's what they're fucking born to do is just become be a fucking warrior. Um, fuck, I had a question for you. And um, so when when you found out that you were that when you were voluntold that you were going to deploy, and obviously you knew that you were going to go to Iraq, I'm guessing because of what had happened. Uh, what was going? Yeah, through? at the go ahead. at the time, like uh, like I knew that I was going to get at least one deployment during those days. That was my mm -hmm. big thing or whatever. I was like, you know, I just I want to go do a deployment. I want to go get some or whatever. Sure, like and, everybody. Uh, so, you know, that happened. I mean, I didn't know quite how it was going to work, but I knew it was going to happen. Uh, sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, the orders come down, uh, and. We started doing like these, what they call them, monster drills. So instead of being, you know, your one weekend a month, two weeks a year, mm -hmm. it's like a whole week a month. And uh, then you come back. So we'd like go all, we'd go out separately and we'd go do our drills with Charlie Company. Right. And uh, then they, then so the AT, that two weeks or whatever, that they extended that like three weeks. And uh, we did that. We went out to Pendleton for that. Stayed at uh, Telega, uh, you know, Heartbreak, what Heartbreak Ridge, where that's where that was filmed at. Uh, it is a shithole. If you've ever been there, I was in a shithole my whole enlistment. <laughs> right, right, that's true, very true. Not a shithole is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a steamy shithole. <laughs> yeah, very, very steamy. Uh, so we did that, and uh, yeah, we started that work up. We lived at. Uh, Basically, we lived at Horno for that workup. I guess that workup had to be four months ish. Uh, we basically were at Horno, and then we lived at you know Mount Town Three T One right there at the base of the Reaper, and uh, mm -hmm. that other Mount Town that's not quite as cool as that one. You know, that's just all we did. We didn't know where we were going. We just know we were getting deployed. They didn't tell okay. us. They didn't tell us where we were going till uh, after Mojave Viper. Uh, we're out there at Camp Wilson. We just completed the Mojave Viper, and we're they're moving us to main side. And all our, our advanced parties started leaving or whatever. Right before that, they come out with them AO maps, and they said, "Hey, you can't uh, can't tell anybody. Can't tell your family where you're going." Yeah, and OPSEC. OPSEC. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. Actually, funny story about OPSEC is uh, it's fucking stupid when it comes to the media. I'll tell you that. I kind of got in trouble with PMO like the night before. No shit. Uh, we were leaving. Yeah, all Advon was gone. Like we had no leadership mm -hmm. there whatsoever. My acting platoon sergeant was a buddy of mine, Corporal Webster. And uh, we won't go into the story that what had actually happened, but uh, I had to go. Our PMO shows up, and uh, my one buddy was like John Brun, who was with uh, Two Seven. He's like, man, this guy—he's he's deploying like tomorrow. And the PMO said, where are you going? I said, can't tell you. Opsec. Were <laughs> <laughs> uh, they like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're like, I'm PMO. I do what yeah. I want. Yeah, I'm the Marine Corps. You just tell me. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> dude. What, what I think is fucking kind of weird about Opsec is they told, the, um, they, they told us, you know, obviously, like they tell anybody who's going overseas. It's like, hush, hush, you know, don't tell anybody where you're going, what the fuck is going on. And then we arrived to Kuwait uh, before we fucking end up going opening up Iraq, and uh, we see that the media is like, "Oh, they sent so many, so many right. Marines to this location 
for this operation and it's like what the fuck is going on it's like so we're doing opsec we are practicing opsec but the rest of the fucking country already knows the rest of the world is already aware of what the fuck is going on so it's just it's kind of a a joke when it comes to the media opsec um so uh did you guys end up uh only doing your pre-deployment training in pendleton or did you also got did you guys also end up doing it in uh good old two nine no, we went to 20 Palms, Camp Wilson. We did High Viper and stuff out there. Okay, okay, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's like at 30, it's 30 days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, and then we come back to 29 Palms. Uh, actually, to get to the end of the story, I was talking to, I was talking to my old uh, battalion, or my old XO right. uh, a few months ago. And uh, you know, he just retired in December. And he was telling me, because uh, he was... Uh, like the embassy duty type thing or whatever. Um, uh, B, what is it called? Um, fucking MSG. MSG. Is that what that is? They are security forces or something. How? What is that? It's embassy duty. Whatever that is. Yeah, it's MSG. Yeah. Mil- he, it's like uh, military security guard or something like that. Yeah. He said. He said. You know, he, we got back from that deployment, which is the hard. He's got a long, lengthy career. You know, twenty years in. Right. He. He said after that deployment. We got back, and within ten days, I was back with my regular unit, with no. With that, that was the demo. Ten days. Really, there was so no. From back from Fallujah to back to your duty station, and and that was it. Was he in the reserves as well, or was he active duty? No, he's he's active duty. He just retired in December. He was a battalion commander of Infantry Training Battalion. Oh right, was, right. Was, um. So would you say that there was really no time for like uh, him to readjust or like decompress? Is that no? There was no time. I mean, within ten days, within ten days of coming out of Fallujah, Jesus, I was back at home with my family. Jeez, that was that was it. Did they did they give you guys any sort of briefs? Did they fucking like? Oh yeah, it was a solid ten days in the movie theater. Of fucking falling practice. asleep, fucking yeah. Uh, probably telling you guys not to drink as much, or uh, right. Probably telling you guys not to get in fights. Uh, did they? Did they? Would Would you say that they mentioned shit about mental health there? I know, I know, it's rough, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really remember them talking to. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did, but I mean. The first night back or whatever, I think the first night back they wouldn't let us buy alcohol. Really? That's and then so strange. the next the next night we bought the whole PX out of booze. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. You got that de- you got the, you got that deployment money, you fucking right. that tax free <laughs> deployment money, you're just dropping that right. dough. Um, oh yeah, you come back. I, I was I turned 21 there, so uh, yeah, I was 21 years 21 years old. You know, a pocket full of money. Fuck yeah, more more money more than money. I think I've ever seen my whole life. Then, like it was right. just holy fuck. Right. What I, like what do I do with this fucking money? You know, like holy crap, I actually right. got money. Um, right. So, h- how would you say uh, the beginning of your first deployment was? Do you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah. Is rough. Uh, we took a. We, we got hit pretty hard. We had uh, we had twenty two KIA. Fuck. Uh, and I think like three hundred and four, 
I think our our stats is, you know, everybody's got their stats. Sure. It's like 22 KIA, 342 Purple Hearts, and 42 wow. Amputee. Jeez. So, I mean, and that was over the course of the whole deployment, right? Um, yeah. When you guys... Six-month deployment. You know, two weeks, you get six months, two weeks. Is, well, you know, your first two weeks is like Kuwait or whatever. Sure. And then your last two weeks would be like Kuwait. Kuwait yeah. Flying back. Getting, yeah. Like, getting yeah. the fuck out of Dodge and, and doing the whole inventory check and making sure you got all your shit and, you know, getting ready to just get back and transition back to the States. Um, so when you, obviously your first two weeks, Kuwait, um, did they brief you guys that you guys are going to encounter heavy resistance when you got there or like, how was it? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, uh, we, we call it like a three block war. So I heard that in the, in the doc actually. Yeah. yeah I know that sergeant is, so yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, it, it's just like, you know, one block, you know, you're handing out candy, everybody's waving and the next block, you know, it's, you get smoke checked. You know, it's yeah. just, you never really, you never really fucking know. Yeah. Uh, I think our first, like, uh, our first, like, nine days there, October 15th, uh, October 15th, 2006, we uh, took our first hard contact. Uh, CO was out, they were up on the new bridge in Fallujah, and uh, Renneke, he was in the turret, and uh, they threw a grenade at him. He's the only person I know that's been hit in the face with a grenade and lived. It, uh, what? He's in the turret, so they throw a grenade at him. It hits him in the face, cuts his eye open, and it bounces on the other side of the blast shield. Wow. He, did, he ducked down, the grenade goes off. Uh, we were out in the back, and uh, you know, it comes over the radio, so we're all hauling ass down there uh that we were uh i know we come up river road my squad we come up river road i was lead vic in the turret uh lead vic i bet that's yeah. a good feeling yeah uh so we're coming up river road i think we i think we ripped one six i'm not 100 percent on that but i'm pretty sure we sure. ripped one six or one six ripped us maybe we ripped 125 they told us whatever you do do not go down river road in vehicles. First thing so you guys do. <laughs> nine days in, going down river road in vehicles. Contact. And uh, we're, well, we're trying to get up to the new bridge. And I remember we're going past, and then I was first squad, and then third squad. They're they're like teeing into us, and they kind of they hold, and then they fall in behind us. So now we got like a like a ten vehicle convoy going down it. Right. And they hit it. Yeah, right in the middle. Was and, it an IED or was it just small arms it was, fire? It was it was an IED. Uh it killed it killed two. Uh killed two, mm -hmm. took took three legs. Fuck. One guy walked away unscathed. And uh yeah, that was the first nine days. And huh. it was just kinda like that, you know, we were taking contact every day. And then kind of towards the end, it was like every other day. Or every it was like dying day. down a little bit. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, that, I, we hit them hard. They did They did not want to fuck with us. The Moosh did not want to fuck with us. We were. We definitely took it. We, we took we, speed and intensity and violence to them. Good. 
Yeah, you guys, you guys gave it back. Is what you're saying? You guys responded swiftly, like you fucking should, and uh, um, obviously, um, you guys weren't just gonna push through a through a, a fucking IED. Did they did they hit the first? Well, you were first Vic, so right? Uh, did they hit like a, a they, middle they Vic? Both, yeah, they hit a middle Vic, but the in, you know they hit the middle Vic in what they would see as the convoy, but in reality they hit the first Vic of third squad, which is you oh. know they just fell in behind us or whatever. Right. Um, I'm, I'm backtracking here a little bit, but would you say that, and I meant to get this question out earlier, um, would you say that the pre-deployment training, um, was intense enough or was, would you say that it was adequate for what you were going to deal with when you got over there? No. No, not at all? No, I mean, there's only so much you can do. I mean, sure. you can clear so many houses mm -hmm. and then we did a lot of vehicle work while we were there and, sure. uh. I had never really driven or ridden in a Humvee before I got to country. Trash. Yeah, trashed fucking vehicles. Mm-hmm. Trash Yeah, there's, I mean, there's nothing left stateside. There's no vehicles stateside for the training. You guys didn't have Humvees over there to do, to do like, your ops and shit like that? No, no, no. In country, we did. Right, but... But, in, for, the work, but for the workup, no. What? With zero vehicle training. Wow. Like mount, no mount training when you guys were. Well, oh. mount like, you know, CQB, that kind of stuff, but no, no mounted vehicle training whatsoever. Wow. You know and what? Then I just, I was a saw gunner. So like, I just immediately, you know, got thrown in the turret. Of course. Of course. Um, you know, what's crazy that you mentioned that is, um, we train with Humvees <laughs> now we, and, and, um, I don't know if they've changed it up. I tried bringing it up so they could fucking try to change it up. Because when we go to country, we, we're in MATVs and MRAPs now. Um, which are, you know, mine-resistant, ambush-proof vehicles for people yeah, who don't know. Yeah, those were just coming out. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so when we get into those, when we get to country, we don't... <laughs> one, the, t the techs don't know what the fuck is going on with those vehicles. And the and the fucking the 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 O3s who primarily drive those vehicles don't know how to properly start a fucking Mat V. Don't know don't get the full fucking training like you, like you were saying about that when it comes to operating that vehicle under those circumstances. Um, right. it, and it's kind of fucking. I think that's kind of shitty and potentially poor planning, especially when it comes to you guys going to Fallujah and your you guys don't even. Have fucking Humvees to train with, which I think is kind of fucking. I personally think it's unacceptable, um, especially when it comes to y y your guys' lives. And obviously, uh, Humvees aren't meant to take explosions because they're fucking flat bottom death boxes. Right. No, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, would you say that we were that you, that you guys weren't uh, properly equipped for that first uh, deployment? No, we're like. In country, we were equipped. It was, you know, everything we got. I remember, like, we got there, and they're like, all right, saw gunners, you got to go over here. And they mm -hmm. switched out, you know, and also now we got these parasols, which is pretty cool because, you know, now all of a sudden this saw that mm -hmm. was, you know, huge, and now it's, like, little bitty. Yeah. And, claps, and like, that was fucking, that was pretty cool. You know, we had up-armored Humvees. I had heard and, people had to attach plates to their fucking Humvees. Like early. See, I think that that was like just before, just before us, those guys were doing that. But we had in country, okay, had good off armored vehicles. Cool. Uh, they're all beat to shit. Yeah. Uh, 
Because we lived, we lived, we didn't live at like a big fob or anything. We had a company size fob. Mm-hmm. It was a, uh, it was called the CMOC. and uh, it was uh, basically if you take draw a big circle of the city of Fallujah, mm-hmm. and then you drop a pin smack dab in the middle of it, there's a four story building, and it used to be a school, and that's where we lived. That was our house. It was the CMOC. right in the middle of fucking Fallujah. Huh? Yeah, I mean, if you ever been up. Uh, you know, it's the uh, it's directly across the street from the Twin Towers Mosque. Uh, they used to use the the Twin Towers Mosque. They go down south of us. They use the, the twin. They use them towers as uh, aiming stakes for mortars. Really? Wow. Yeah. They knew if they they knew they fired between the minarets or they'd hit they, they'd hit you guys. Hit us. Yeah. Wow. Dude, those guys are crazy when it comes to indirect fire. Um, oh, as a matter of fact, we pulled out of the CMOC and we. Uh, there in like January, mm-hmm. uh, January of 07, and we went down south to I think it's ECP six. They like uh, the engineers come down there and built us some Hesco buildings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, like two weeks later, uh, they they drove in two dump truck SVBIEDs, one in the south gate, one in the northwest gate, and uh, didn't actually hit the building, Jesus. but they were big enough to where it collapsed the one side of the building, and then it, it's gone now. Did it, did it just blow up prior to uh, actually getting close to you, to your guys' uh, little easy entry control point? Uh, well, we weren't there. We were down. Okay. We were down south already. We had turned it over to the Judy, to the Iraqi regular army, and those guys were manning it. And right. uh, they they held it for two weeks or so, and they yeah. got smoke checked. Yeah, it was like the government center, like the IP station was there. You know. The, the Iraqi regular army had. You could call it like the green in. zone of Fallujah, but it, it was the it was the government center. Right, that got fucked up obviously as soon as you guys got out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy because um, we when when I got to go to Iraq, we were in in TQ. Are you familiar with TQ? Uh, it's a very. I've been I've been to TQ on my way in and out. Yeah, um, we were in TQ and it wasn't like what it was. I think when you guys were there, it was already a setup, big ass base wasn't it yeah i think tq i think that's the one that had the bus service on it or some shit really? or was that al-assad al-assad we went- well when we went back in everything was fucking tr- trashed everything was because obviously when we withdrew initially um they have to fucking cut all the wires destroy everything fucking uh, trash the whole base and then we hand it over to iraq the Iraqi military and they don't do a, a very good job at taking care of it. So when we oh. back when we back up, it's basically rebuilding all over again, um, uh, starting with the small perimeter, expand like towers, and then expanding against more and expanding against more. Um, but it was all just shitty when we were there, so we didn't get to see it. Like Al Assad, right now, I heard is is fucking amazing again. It's oh really? Yeah, it's all rebuilt up again, and it's all fucking. Nice, because that was the first base that our that uh, two seven opened up into Iraq for Operation Inherent Resolve, and those guys were taking IDF fucking like it's uh it is crazy like all the that alarm was going off all the time, and uh, they tried going on the uh, ISIS guys tried going on there all the time. They tried getting into base. They actually got into base, but they uh, they fucked up and they they went into the soft side, so the special forces side. They got fucking Ooh. yeah 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 they got f- <laughs> they got smoked fast yeah uh, bad it, idea yeah yeah <laughs> terrible idea um and uh, they were trying to do that with us when we were in TQ but um 
we had we had decent cameras we had like we could see them fucking trying to come to our to our fob from good distance so we had uh, the army paladins artillery just nice. just get them before they even got uh, fairly close um but when you guys um you said that you guys took uh, those those first casualties how would you say that impacted the morale when you guys were first starting off uh i mean it's kind of fucked up sure uh, of course it's the you said 3 kia right you. What did you say? You said it was three KIAs from that first... Um, it was two, two KIAs two KIAs. and uh, three legs were lost. Three legs. Uh, Josh, Josh lost both, his, both of his, and then Lang ended up... Uh, he didn't lose it initially, but they ended up having to take it. Right. Uh, so, uh, in, all of a, in all the fucked up situations I've been in over there, where, where shit hit, the shit hit the fan scenarios... It's it's such a it's it's the best I can describe it. It's like an outer outer body experience. It's like right. you're going through the motions. It, it's like you're over here watching yourself go through and do this. It's right. you, you're it's you're so mentally detached, but you're physically there. moving forward. Yeah, you know your body's just going through the motions, and your mind is kind of not. I just I remember looking over and hearing and seeing everything going on, and it was like I was in a movie. Like that's my best I can describe, describe it. Moment is like I was in a movie. I was I wasn't really there. It wasn't right. really happening. Right. I'm sure it almost seemed like unreal, especially hearing the explosion and then fucking radios right. going but off. It was underwater a little bit, so it wasn't really that loud. It was a big one though. I think it was it was a three stack or a five stack. It was it was big. Jeez, and um, I'm guessing nine lines were called up, and people were trying to get even. Was that uh, was that a uh, right outside your guys's fob, or was it like uh, close enough? No, to that was guys? uh, that was down south. That was right along the Euphrates on River Road. The River Road ran alongside the Euphrates, you know, parallel to the Euphrates. Uh, we're in between uh, the old bridge and the new bridge. Uh, we used to call it the Blackwater Bridge, and I allowed to call it the Blackwater Bridge for obvious reasons they mm -hmm. don't like you to say that sure uh but once i tell you you can't call it something you have to call it that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just that's what you gotta do you know uh, yeah so that was that was like the first nine days uh and then uh yeah after, i mean we just we just seemed to hit it harder we're like you know fuck these guys let's find yeah. them let's yeah. find them let's find them and we, you know we was just our rotation, the way it worked, our schedule was, uh, it was like a 15 day cycle. You'd do five days of, uh, you do five days patrols. Then you do, uh, uh and those would be mounted or dismounted. Mm -hmm. Uh, then you do five days of, uh, QRF and ops, uh, quick just, reaction force people. Yeah. You'd, so you just hang out in a room in the basement or not the, in the first floor of the CMOC. Sure. Uh, everybody had to keep their boots on. And then, uh, so you'd either be on, you know, your platoon would either be on QRF, one squad would be on QRF, and then uh, at night it would be, uh, you would do ops, which is, you know, we'd go do our hard knocks and, you know, all that fun, cool stuff. Yeah. And then, then you get, then you get five days of five security uh, where we just man the post on right. the, on the fob or whatever, and then you'd be back to, uh, you'd be back to patrols. Okay. So it was like a... a nice rotational schedule where they'd uh, get you guys off of patrols for a bit you know do some fucking fob security towers whatever 
Um, would, yeah. would you say they ever tried getting uh, uh, attacking the fob that you guys were at? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was. Uh, I guess I can get as weird as I want in this, huh? You can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was up at the top of the top of the CMOC. Uh We had two. That was they were really just observation points or whatever. You couldn't you couldn't return fire from there. Right. Uh, they're just boxes with glass, and you look out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was in there, you know, Joeing away. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> boom! Uh, I took a sniper round right in my glass. Wow! <laughs> Holy shit! That make you finish faster? What? <laughs> oh, I finished. I, finished. <laughs> I, I got on the ra- I got on the radio and. Uh, we actually had our snipers. Our snipers were actually staying with us that particular uh, that particular day or whatever. And uh, Staff Sergeant Grove, he come up uh, and he sat there with me for a little bit. Or I didn't have the heart to tell him what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he come up there. He sat with me. We sat there and just glassed, you know, try to see if we could, you know, take any more fire. Try to sure. figure out where it comes from. Nothing, you know, nothing happened. Uh, we took a lot of took a lot of. Uh, a lot of a lot of mortars there. Uh, had another had another guy who was, was Joe and where John we had Johnny on the spots. You know we didn't have like internal plumbing or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had Texas bears around him. And uh, another guy he's in there, sergeant. He was in there. He was Joeing away, and <laughs> we took them mortars. He said he didn't know whether to to to, to, to sit and pray, get up and run, or to finish. <laughs> Said he sat there and finished, and uh, uh, he comes out of there after it was all done. Sweaty seven, as fuck. <laughs> seven paces from his porta shitter was a, uh, a big one twenty laying there. Didn't go off. It was a dud. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Maybe if he wouldn't have finished, boom. You know, some something else would have finished. Right. You never. Know. You never know. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you just, jeez, that's so fucking lucky. That was one of my worst fears when I was like, I didn't want to get caught taking a shit, beating off in the porta john, or taking a shower. I did not want to get caught in one of those three things. I wanted to either be in my fucking bunk or just fucking going around. But luckily, I never got caught under those circumstances. You know, that was a... there was another time. There was another time I was in my rack sleeping, and. Uh... We just we just done like like an eighteen hour ordeal, and you, know, you just collapse from exhaustion or whatever. I'm in my rack, and then they come in there, like, shake me awake. You're Mendez, what the fuck are you doing? Where where the fuck are you? I was like, I'm right here. Yeah. They're like, you got to count up. We got we just took mortars or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And we had took we had taken a mortar about directly above my head. I have I slept through the whole fucking thing. I. Jeez. I didn't know what happened. Yeah, everybody was mad at me. I, I, I don't know. Uh, fucking sleeping, man. Yeah, we've <laughs> had a few. We had a few guys like that too. It's because I think you're, like, my first night in Iraq. I fucking woke up so goddamn fast, and it was outgoing. It wasn't even incoming. I was outgoing. Oh. Uh, yeah, I heard boom because the paladins shot right over us, and the whole fucking tin can that we were in was, and I was like, oh my fucking. I was like, what the fuck was that? And uh, this other Marine who was there before me, he was like, that's fucking outgoing, dude. And I was like, all right. And then after that, 
I could sleep through anything. Like I was fucking chilling. I was just fucking out. And I think that's a that's a bad habit to have. But uh, it, it just comes with uh, with being around that sort of environment. You know, you just fucking sleep through it. Some guys, I, I don't know if you if you ran into those guys that would sleep with the uh, with their boots on or like uh, just so they can get up and get ready to get. They they never like um, took their camis off or they never. They always just stayed fucking dressed up and ready to go just in case we got some IDF. Yeah. I mean, we were inside that building, you know, I mean, you, you didn't you didn't really go out unless, you know, you went to smoke or whatever. Right. But, I mean, the mortars aren't going in there. I mean, they'll rock the building a little bit. Did you guys have like an overhead coverage? No, no. It was, it was a big concrete building. Oh, okay. Okay. We were just in a tin can. Little tin aluminum yeah. thing with the big Alaska barriers on the on the sides, so they couldn't really see. Yeah. Um. When, when we, uh, go ahead. When we moved down to when we moved down to ECP seven or whatever, we had the engineers build them Hesco things, which, uh, you know, just the Hesco, you know, the big things they fill up with sand, mm -hmm. and then we had like three layers of of sandbags on the roof, and then they come in and they built like a gabled roof. And then we had to line that with sandbags or whatever. Or, or, or exactly how that worked. But anyway, it was supposed to be like the mortars would hit the wood on the top and detonate. And then the sandbags would, would catch, absorb everything else. Would, would absorb, yeah, like shrapnel or whatever. How mm -hmm. that worked. Um, I don't think we really took any down there. That's that's good. And did you guys have um? Did you guys have any warning systems at that time? Or was it just no, like, not you guys would just hear them coming, or like how 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 did you guys know uh, there was incoming besides the first impact? The first impact. The first impact. You guys yeah. could never hear it, kind of like you know. Uh, if you were out, if you were outside, you could hear you could hear it out going. You know, you can hear the splash. You know. Fuck, that's crazy. That is wild shit. We got like three second warning. I think it was. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to get up, nice. throw your fucking gear on, and. Run out there. We had our little alarms. I don't know if you've heard those before. You know, incoming, incoming, and inc which they're kind of daunting to be honest. They, like, they're. It's nice to have that, right? But it's like, when you hear that fucking, I'll send you a video uh, once we're done here about like uh, of our uh, our defense system going off uh, from one of the days that we took decent IDF. Um, but that alarm kind of just fucking. You think you hear it more than you actually hear it once you start. Right. Once you start hearing it more, you're like, "Is that shit going off?" Because right there's sometimes where you're inside the what's the place called where you have the computers and uh, I can't remember that. the MWR. The MWR, that motherfucker with two phones or whatever the fuck it is, internet yeah. as slow as a bird flying from one phone to another. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, there's people who never heard it in there, and we were taking IDF and. Um, army cats would fucking run out when you'd be like hey man we're taking that they'd just book it they would just they, they, yeah. they freaked out um and uh would you say that uh taking idf was what would you say was one of the most uh i guess challenging aspects about being over there was it just uh what was something that was always in the in the front of your mind when you were when you were out there like were you thinking oh fucking ieds or what was something that was your of your highest concern uh, I don't know. We always had that kind of like this joke. It's still a running joke. Uh, like when we'd be like on a mounted patrol or whatever, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you know, you were leaving for eight hours at least. You, you're going out on patrol. We're just driving around. We're just driving around in squares, mm -hmm. you know, 
trying to get shot at, trying to get blown up. I mean, that's the job. Get some attention, yeah. Right. And uh, the big joke was, it's like, you know, the first the first hour of patrol, you know, your, your asshole's all pucker <laughs> and you're all freaked out. And then, you know, after, you know, after that first hour, that kind of goes away. And now everybody's just smoking and joking. Uh, you know, after, you know, after three hours of that, the smoking and joking, start fucking aiming for potholes. You just want, you're just ready to. <laughs> Let's do Let's something. Let's get something like, going. Just, yeah. Right. It's just. Uh, and then, you know, mounted patrol, or, and then dismounted patrols. I was always so. Work, you know, you get a little scared sure. when you go in or out of the fob because, you know, you always had to cross those points. Uh, and so I was always just waiting to take one in the face. I just would always remember, I was like, man, I hope it's clean. I hope I just fucking, I hope it's lights out. Yeah, I hope you it's know? nothing that makes me fucking. I don't want to, I don't want to lay there and gurgle. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. That's. That mentality, I'm sure people are um, a little estranged about when, uh, when you ever, if you ever talk about it back over here at home. Um, so, uh, what would you say was, were some of the, the the toughest moments when you were over there, uh, losing losing buddies? I'm, I'm guessing those were probably some uh, really uh, hard times. That, and... was, that was bad, you know. Losing guys was bad, but we always we always knew that was that was an option. That's what we signed up for. We knew that was. A, a possibility right uh the the very very worst thing it haunts me to this day is uh we're kind of down south uh we did uh like a long out uh so we go out what we would do is we'd go out in the middle of the night and uh we'd take up a house somewhere and we would just uh it's kind of like deer hunting we just Sit up in there and you know wait for somebody to come. We'd over have a good Overwatch. Wait for somebody to come dig a hole or put a bomb in, and then you know we smoke them. Sure. Uh, so we're down south, and uh, we found this house. It's right at the corner of this trash field, and it went good, good, good long avenues. Like you could see a long way. Right. Uh, and the people there that were in the house, I, I, I never even went upstairs really the whole, the whole three days we were there, uh, cause I got along with the family real good. The family was, they were awesome. You know, they were, uh, the oldest brother was probably in like his mid thirties. Uh, he had moved back from Baghdad to Fallujah to take care of, uh, to take care of his, uh, his sisters and stuff. Uh, right. cause the Mujah, the had killed their dad. Jeez. And you know they were, you know, Mooj is bad. They were just they were good people. Uh, on the third day, we're in there. Uh, oh, actually, backtrack a little bit. Uh, sure. They uh, they loved us. Boy, they cooked us all their food. They ended up they cooked all the food in the house. They didn't have any food left, and it was uh, wow. Three three brothers, their wives, and their two their two sisters, and then you know all their kids and stuff, and. Uh, I remember I went upstairs and I was like, man, they cooked a work. They're out of food. And so we all took like 20 bucks uh, from my squad. And so you know, we ended up getting like $200 American cash. And we told them, we said, hey, just send the women to the market. Do not tell anyone we're here. Right. And they're like, okay. And then we would never do that to anyone. But we just had like a really good feeling about these people. You know, sure. these, these, these people were a good asset. If they if any intel come up, we were gonna get it from these people. They were That's good fucking cool. People. Yeah. Uh, 
I had actually just had a, a little brother. My parents had an accident, and I have my little brother Jacob. He's uh, 14 now. He he had, was just born, and uh, so it's kind of like warm up. They had this little kid. His name is like some kind of variation of Mustafa, but it, you didn't quite say it, say it like that. Mm-hmm. And he had real chubby cheeks. And I was calling him Chubs. <laughs> and they were like uh, the Chubs. What Chubs? Wayne Chubs. And I was like Chubs. And I was. And they're like, oh, yeah, so the family started calling them Chubbs. Yeah. And um, <laughs> they were just, they were good people. Well, sure as shit, on like the third day, some asshole comes up with his tractor, driving up the road, dirt road, and then he drops the fucking plow, and he starts digging a hole with a tractor. So, you know, we call them COC, COC, go ahead, do them. So they do them, and uh, that was kind of that was kind of it, you know. Come, we got the body. We uh, we actually did this cool thing where we actually pulled out half the unit and left half the unit in. We made like a big show. We pulled it so they would think we were gone to see, you know, see if we get somebody. Uh, and uh, that didn't happen. So that we ended up leaving a few hours later. And uh, you guys leave that house? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we left okay. the house. We, you know, we actually went back to the plow. Uh, a couple weeks later, we're down there, and we're we're kind of joking in Humvee, and we're like, "Oh, back to the scene of the crime," you know, like. And we're looking, and the the fucking house is gone. The house is not there. And we're did we call back that we we end up we call back to COC. We're like, can you give us a grid? Do we have this fucked up? Right. This is where we were. And they're like, yeah. So we get out and we start censusing. You know, we 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 start going around the neighborhood. We're trying to figure what the fuck happened. Sure. And uh, they, uh, you know, they told us uh, the neighbors. They told us, you know, Mujahideen, the house, Umbala. Wow. they killed. They killed the whole family. Fucking savages. Because because they were because they were hosting you guys, right? Because they right, were... like they had some yeah, like they had some fucking choice. Yeah, yeah, like you. <laughs> Jeez, they fucking so they flattened that whole house, huh? They flattened the whole house, killed the whole family. Jeez, one thing that uh, one thing that kind of gets me in uh. Sometimes it bothers me when I hear people here from, you know, the States just talk shit about people there. It's like, dude, not everybody, not everybody hates us. Like, there's like some fucking great people there that legit, you know, appreciate us being over there and like, you know, actually appreciate the help and that they're actually good people. And sometimes that triggers me and I try to kind of just bite my tongue. But I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's, um, for everybody who's listening, it's like there's some good people out there, man. Like uh, some people uh, actually want to do good for their country and, and and don't want to live that sort of fucking lifestyle. You know, like it's not what they what they what anybody would enjoy. Um, so they fucking flat in that house and uh, and did you guys uh, hear anything else about it? They just killed every everybody in that family. Yeah, they killed the whole families. Is uh, you know they were they were teaching them a lesson. You know you don't you don't help the Marines, you don't help the Americans. Wow. And I just I don't I just don't I don't get it. I, I mean I just I don't get it. I don't. It's like they I mean 
I kind of feel I, I feel this weird guilt and responsibility that you know our actions cause this to happen. But I mean, I know that that's not the the deal. But I mean, I still feel that way. Right. There's no. Yeah, but like, if it wasn't that house, it would have been another house. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it right, was if exactly. It, and and could have could they have been not as good of people? Maybe, but um, you know, there would have probably been consequences. They they somehow they knew. You know, obviously, some somehow they knew you guys were in there. The neighbors that you probably spoke with, you know, somebody somebody let them right. know. Somebody, you know, and that's that's fucking shitty. And what's what's also kind of a weird. Uh, uh, way to see it is that shit's going down. That same sh- sort of shit is going down right there south of the border. Uh, you know, like right, right there in Mexico, that shit's happening. Uh, if you help the fucking cops or you help whoever, you know, they'll fucking go after your family. Um, which is, I don't think it's something that people uh, think about too much. But that's obviously a country that we were involved in Iraq, and and you know, I'm sorry that 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 you know those people had to fucking that they had to go through that and, you know, obviously get killed for trying to do the right thing. And, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry that you had to fucking deal with that. Um, would you say that after that, did you guys try to not get as attached to people that you guys were around or did you guys see it a little bit differently? No, uh, definitely not. Uh, it's just, uh, I kind of, I got into a little bit of trouble, like, right after that, and I ended mm-hmm. up getting yanked out of my squad. Uh, I do know that, that, you know, looking back at it, that is kind of the reasons I was a little off the handle at the time, but. Sure. It is what, it, I mean, it just is what it is, you know. Right. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do. There's, you know, there's no, our mission had to get done. Right. Definitely. And, you know, there, there's nothing that those people could have done any differently. They could have spit on us when we come in. It, it's it did, still, it didn't matter. Yeah. That, that guy shows up, he's digging a hole, he's getting smoke shot. Right. That's all there is to it. And so, now I'm sure, you know, they, you know, since the Moosh had already killed their father, they probably already had something, you know, kind of against that. That's true. Yeah. But, they probably, that was probably just the push over the ledge and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. They're like definitely. Then we'll just get rid of this whole fucking family, which is fucking crazy. Um, so, so you get through your whole deployment, your your first deployment, and you know you get back to to the states. How how would you say was your was your time getting back into the country? Like, how would you say it was? Oh, uh, it was you know right when I got back home. You know, I was twenty one. You know, I just was drinking a lot, but still, you know, keeping in shape and mm-hmm. just trying to party, chase tail, sure. uh, you know, Marine Corps stuff. <laughs> uh, and, you know, after the Marine Corps, well, I mean, like I said, like we had like a 10 day demo. I mean, right. it was like 10 days of they're trying to shove all this stupid knowledge that no one's paying attention to you because right. everybody just wants to, you know, go chase tail and get drunk, right. and, you know, Light out the high that you know everybody's been on for the last mm-hmm. you know six months, uh, and then I don't know. I mean, especially being in the reserves and then not being around everybody all the time, there's definitely like you know that feeling of like emptiness and loneliness a lot. 
Yeah. And that was before you even got out, right? That was just right. getting back from deployment and getting to go back home and try. So you had your 10 days, which is not very much to be honest. And, and I mean, I understand that. I understand the feeling of when you get back home, you just want to fucking go fucking do everything that you've missed out on pussy, beer, food, you know, um, in all that shit. Right. Uh, you don't want to hear them fucking telling you, yeah, you may, you, you may feel this, or you may, you, you might want to take it easy here. You might want to take it easy there. Um, so when you got back home, how would you say your, would you say that your family helped being around or did they make it a little bit more strange? Because it's almost like, I guess you could say you didn't necessarily want them to understand, but it's almost like they couldn't, you know, was it, was it a very right. strange? Uh, I definitely like. I'm more or less like I didn't have a wife and kids or anything, you mm -hmm. know. I said my parents, and I pretty much just avoided them like the plague. Really, I didn't really want to be around them. I didn't want them to see this weird new dark side of me, you know. Like right. I didn't. I didn't really want that. I didn't. I didn't like to be around familiar things anymore. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't that person anymore. I wasn't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. That's that's the that's the weird thing. Um, did they did they ever try asking you shit? Did they ever try talking to you about it? Did they you know were they did they tell you that uh, they may, maybe saw something a little bit different or anything like that? No, no, no. I really, just didn't talk about any of it. Uh, you know, there was a couple of times I got I got real real drunk and got like real real crazy emotional mm -hmm. uh, with my dad, uh, but that's really the extent of it. you know I didn't really talk about it with anybody or right anything you know just kind of lived i mean i still to this day just kind of i still live there i'm still i'm still there yeah I, do, do you think it was uh the type of culture and the type of environment like we were talking about it earlier when you get when you and you weren't even out yet it's just the fact that you were a reservist but you were in, you were embedded in that fucking environment and culture and then when you got back to the states it's just boom nothing you know it wasn't even act i can't even imagine that it wasn't even active duty being around your you know your brothers it was just boom civilian life again you know? right exactly it was like and then so for six months there was no even contact with the marine corps for like Whoa. six months that's the way it works like because you're drilled out you're maxed out on your time that you got to do for your contract so there's there's nothing and then Jeez. uh i had that surgery in that time and then i was rushing i was rushing everything because we we heard word come down the pipe that we're getting ready to do the second deployment right and uh i actually i think i had a choice I think I had a choice. I don't know. I might not have had a choice on to go on that deployment or not, but it, it didn't matter. I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going. Yeah, let's fucking go, yeah. And uh, I rushed through all my physical therapy stuff and all that bullshit. Right. And got, got cleared to go. I didn't I didn't make it there. I didn't leave with those guys. I, I caught back up with them uh, when they were already, they had already started uh, the workout. And then like a month, a month and a half in, uh, to the workup, I, I ripped his shoulder back out of the socket, and that was pretty much it. And then I got dropped from, you know, I got dropped from my, you know, my platoon and my squad. And right. I was with just a bunch of fucking idiots at that point. 
breakfast everybody who was uh the the rear party right rbe i think it's what it's called yeah 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 so you didn't get to go on your second appointment yeah you just uh which well that was a that would have been a good one that was they they were the last battalion of marines in iraq they're up there on the syrian border and actually got cut short they only ended up doing four months oh really it's just because we we pulled out of there yeah we pulled they pulled out and uh, I was talking to them guys, man. That they weren't—they weren't even allowed to go condition one when they left the wire. They had to be condition three. Really? What the fuck? Like, well, that's a big fucking change. That's a <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy change. It's kind of like a like. Obviously, my experience is way different than yours. Not nowhere near as intense as yours. Um, we were uh, condition three in the wire, and then outside of the wire, we were. We, we, you know, we had to go condition one. Um, which you know and but like towards the end of it we didn't even have to have our fucking gear with us anymore because we'd have to walk around with our gear the whole time even on on fob or you know obviously off but um towards the end of it it was just like yeah you don't have to take your gear with you anywhere like it's fucking it died out like crazy from when we started to towards the end of it um let's just say that the bombing campaign was very successful um because we were in between uh uh fallujah and ramadi well, TQ, obviously, it's it's right. You can see those motherfuckers, the, the shadow distancing of the building. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy how how fast it fucking changes from right. the intensity levels to like from one year to another. Just boom, the the right. the, the progress that's that's made is insane. Um, how would you how would you say you you feel when um, when you heard that um, that we had to go back into Iraq after? All that shit that you know you guys have gone through and everything that had happened already and all that work, what would you say that was like for you guys? You speaking when personally, Fall- I guess. When Fallujah fell, I again, it was 2014. Mm-hmm. I was watching my watching the news, watching my TV. Uh, I was living in my parents' basement, and. I I went off the rocker. I lost my fucking shit. I mean, I was throwing shit around. I was breaking TVs. I was, yeah. I was like, why? Why the fuck is yeah. everybody dead? And you just give it back. You just gave it back. Yeah. And that was. I was mad at everybody. I was mad. At, sure. Was, it makes sense, dude. I mean, look, you guys went through some fucking hard ass shit. You, you you lost a lot of buddies. A lot of guys lost limbs. A lot of a lot of people's lives are not the same. Whether it be their families, them, you know, a lot of people were affected by that conflict, and to see it just fucking and I don't, and I don't want to use the word go to waste because it's not it's not giving you guys the credit you know that you guys fucking put in the work right, um, but it's it's kind of like a fucking slap in the face um, because you guys fucking were affected you know mentally uh physically uh all around dude like it, it was just uh and i heard it from a lot of people that it's just like what the fuck like we told you guys that this was gonna fucking happen like we all knew that this shit was gonna happen we pulled out way too soon and to be honest that part of the country that part of the world is fucked it is so Bruh. it's so crazy it's such a it's such a fucking slap in the face for for your guys's generation of marines that was fucking in there and uh, did did you and your and uh, other buddies of you of other buddies of you uh did you guys talk about that shit when it was going down like when it fell in 2014 no we all kind of like everybody in my squad my unit 
you know, a couple of guys stuck together. The guys that stuck together all did real good, you know. Uh, yeah, of course. We got, uh, you know, there are a bunch, bunch of FBI agents now and stuff like that. Uh, I I kind of dove into, like, cocaine and alcohol there for a while. I think I was trying to, like, I, actually, I don't think, I know, I was trying to drink myself to death there for a while. Yeah. Uh, just a, a bunch of just wallowing in my own self-pity, pissed off at the world, pissed off at my government, pissed off at my Marine Corps, just pissed off all around at everything, everyone, everybody. And there was like nothing I could do about it. I'm just a regular, you know, dirty civilian now. There's yeah. nothing I can uh, – yeah, I don't know. There's a, big, there's a big block in my life there. I don't really, I don't really remember a lot of it after that you know it's... right so when, when you 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 obviously dealt with the with that whole separation feeling when you got back from your first deployment because you went back home for six months um but when you were fully out of the marine corps would you say that you experienced that same sort of separation uh feeling yeah and... that's when i went down the, the alcohol and cocaine bender was after it's... after i got out after that's... you got out yeah, it was after I got out. That's when everybody kind of went their separate ways, you know. Like that's when. Right. What would you say? What would you say? Because uh, obviously, I, I I dealt with my own shit, and like most of the people who are who have been on the podcast have dealt with their own shit. Um, what would you say were some of the things that that triggered it? Was it just the separation? Was it like you being not being around your boys? Like the lifestyle. I think it's like the lifestyle. It's, it's it's definitely like you're part of that big, that well-oiled machine. Like everything's going good. You know, we're there to win. We're gonna fucking win. Right. There's no, there's no losing possible. And you're part of something that's just so much bigger than than yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you you lose that, you're not a part of it anymore. It's it's you know a little bit of you, a little bit of you dies, and then I think a lot like of a little, you. Bit, little bit more of you you know dies every day. You know a little bit more. Yeah. You know, do you think, do you think you're, you're, you're like, uh, I try not to think about this sort of things. Like, uh, I try to not think about how I'm never, 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 ever, ever going to be able to experience anything like that ever again. And it kind of, it kind of bums me out to be honest, because, oh yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Cause you look back and you're like, holy fuck. Like, I can't believe I did all this shit. Like when you really, really look back as a normal person now. And you're doing whatever fucking bullshit job you're doing. It might be a cool job or whatever the fuck it is. I know my job isn't that cool. No offense to my job, whatever. Um, but, like, it's just something that you're never going to be able to experience. And you won't be able to experience, you know. Because, like, that's it. You're out of the Marine Corps. You could potentially try to get back in. But, you know, let's being realistic, it's probably not going to happen. Um, would you say that that's a, one of the, one of the challenging parts about getting out, being, not being able to have those yeah. experiences and, and create those types of bonds and. Yeah, I did find something that kind of covered that cover, you know, kind of, you know, as a drug addict would say, you know, chasing the dragon. Uh, I built, I built scaffold for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm actually deathly afraid of heights. And so. Is up there hanging out, you know, 250 feet, walking on these little bitty bars, yeah. you know, chasing, you know, and it's chasing that dragon, it's chasing that adrenaline rush, that right. thing or whatever. And I was in there with a, a good group of guys and everybody, you know, had each other's backs or whatever. And that was, it was like another brotherhood that I had found. Right. 
and then they had they they ended up being a a merger or whatever, and some of the upper upper management they were probably scared of their jobs and things get what weird, and then mm. apparently you go motherfuck the boss in his office. It's that's not a good deal. So right. they don't work there anymore. Shit happens. Um, would uh, would you say, and, and this might not be an easy question to answer, uh, did you did you deal with any suicidal ideations when you were out of the service? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say like right, right when I got out. Sure, sure. But yeah, definitely, it's always there. I mean, you can't go so much of your life this block of your life of i'm gonna fucking die today probably you know mm-hmm. like and g joking around about it and that, that's a fact of the matter there's people dropping to your left and to your right right uh you know and yeah i mean it's and i still i still think chalk that up to that's you know chasing that that rush that yeah you know it's it's a drug that's definitely a drug yeah, that fucking feeling that you you may or may not, and that adrenaline rush, and you know, I think it it's could, you know, end right now. That yeah, and then you go back to the super calm lifestyle, <laughs> super normal, and that nobody. What I thought was very strange is that when you come back from being deployed, and this is why we do it right. It's so it doesn't happen back here, but it's like when you're here, it's almost like nobody, nobody knows what the fuck is actually going on. Nobody really, right. nobody, nobody, everybody's fucking clueless. Everybody's super fucking clueless and nobody even knows that there's people potentially getting, like there could be guys in Iraq right now, there could be guys in Syria right now potentially getting fucking IDF and we're just here fucking shooting the shit, right? Talking. Yeah. Um, nobody ever really thinks about that and that's, that's what I had a, I want to say a difficult time uh, accepting, but it was just like, man, nobody really knows. It's, it's, right. it's like a forgotten part of this country. It's just like nobody, I wouldn't say necessarily cares because there's a lot of patriotism behind the military but there's also i like to think it's the cool thing right uh when it comes Bro, to a lot of exactly, yeah. i like it's to think cool yeah yeah that's what i like to believe and it's shitty that i that i feel that way because it's like you know fuck these people don't really give a fuck because i kind of think they really kind of don't because if they did they'd be a little bit more like damn that shit's going on over there right now what the fuck's going on and there are some people who legit fucking care right i had some co-worker buy me lunch uh on veneer's day and i thought that was very weird because i've never you know i've always been like Ugh. it's kind of like when somebody thanks you for your service and you're like yeah huh you know like yeah, yeah. i don't i don't want to talk to you just shut up yeah yeah just <laughs> no i'm okay i'm okay i'm good i'm good you know thank you question mark you know it's like it's right, strange never know you never know what to say like oh thank you for your service uh, it's like okay yeah thanks for the support you know so I, I, i've been trying to say something so i'm just so i don't feel as uncomfortable um it's very strange for me uh, but I, but i always i always feel like it's such a fake a fake thing when it comes to people being patriotic about it um, i've had one time i was at costco and uh I wasn't thinking about it, but I was wearing, you know, like a, a, a commemorative type skivvy shirt. It's got somebody's name on the back or whatever. Sure. And uh, I had the, I had this older gentleman come up to me or whatever and, uh, excuse me, sir. And I turned around. He said, so you a veteran? And I said, yes, sir. And he reached out to shake my hand. And it was the most 
it hit me with emotions because I know he's seen that fucking shirt. Right. And he gave me one of the, the, the nicest, firmest handshake. And he, it, that, that one really caught me off guard. That's, awesome. that's the only time I've really. That's that the only good. one. I mean, that's the instance that I ever thought that everybody has, has said, oh, thank you for your service. That's the instance that sticks in my mind that they like, kind of hit me in the feelings, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I honestly, I try to do it to. Uh, like I remember, I was, uh, I was in a. I had to stop on a on a on a fucking layaway flight, and um, and I saw some. There was some dude sitting like a few rows in front of me, and he had a few uh, memory memorial bracelets, right? Kind of like the one you have on now. Um, and I was like, you know, that sucks because obviously, <clears throat> those are friends or people that he knew, um, and me being already a marine. I was like, I, I feel the need to be like, hey man, thank you. You know, like, I understand that you've, from my point of view, it's like you've you've lost buddies, you've you've lost friends. So I, I want it to, I want him to know that you know I am, and it's it's I'm sure it's still a little strange, because I didn't tell him that I was a vet, and I try, and I don't I don't say it. I'm just like, hey man, you know, yeah, you know, thanks for thanks for what you did and and for what you were going through and whatever, and uh, I don't know, I just. If I see somebody that that has that sort of shit on, I I, I try to make it a, a a point to you know say thank you from a fellow individual, because um, I even sometimes do it to cops. Honestly, as 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 shitty as a a deal they might be having here uh, with with the right. recent time, uh, that job fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> that job is yeah. not that job is not easy. Fuck that, dude. It's not easy, and I don't think they get the best training, and I think they should potentially get better training uh, when it comes to some sort of escalation of force, for sure. Um, I always I always catch cops, like, when, like, I'm in the store or whatever, and they're in uniform, mm-hmm. kind of give them that, like, that drill instructor, hi! And, you know, they'll <laughs> pop over, and I always say, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Keep an eye out, buddy. Be all right. Stay safe. <laughs> Yeah. Um, be careful yeah. as I always say it always catches them off guard yeah um, what would you say uh, are some of the things that you that you did or certain paths that you took to help you go through those uh, issues that you were going through when you got out of the service for somebody who's potentially dealing with the same things that you dealt with that they could use as a tool you know to overcome those problems uh, absolutely 100% the best thing I think you can do is put the fucking bottle down. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with drinking, but if you're sitting there, you know, wallowing in your own self pity, you know, you, you know, you are, cause I've done it. <clears throat> sure. Uh, is to, to put that down. And I've, uh, I've been reaching out the last couple of years, been reaching out to my brothers, you know, from back then. And that's really helped me out like a ton. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to put together a not-for-profit, uh, that's awesome for, Oh, a little over. I was starting it and I was doing really, really good with it. And I was getting ready to get some funding. Mm-hmm. And then I got kicked in the dick by this whole COVID thing. Uh, like so most. Kind of just on the back burner because the idea of getting people together right now is like potentially illegal. Right. In some states, it's more illegal than, than others, which is weird. Uh, what's this nonprofit about, man? Do you want to right. talk about it a little bit more? Like, what, what is it that you're going That's, after? Uh, it's, uh, it's called Veterans Farms Foundations. And, uh, okay. Uh, Veteran Farms Foundation. It's, uh, basically the idea of it is to get, like, uh, 
like if I get a piece of ground uh, to get a group of veterans, like experienced veterans together, mm-hmm. and to, to bring them in there and show them how to like uh, do like, uh, you know, land management and how to manage their deer herd and just hunting and fishing. That's so and, cool. Uh, just to keep them together, to get them together and to keep them together. Because there's, there's so many like nonprofit organizations out there in the outdoor the hunting world that they bring two guys in and they take them on, you know, this $25,000 elk hunt, uh, you know, so they just spent 50 grand for these two guys Mm -hmm. and they do everything for them other than, you know, at the end, pull the trigger. And then they just go back to their lives and they're not, you know, so my idea is, you know, to get a group of guys together and to keep them together, keep them working together for, you know, a common, a common mission. Yeah, that's fucking dope because uh, I see what you're saying is they, they, they put all this time and money into these uh, into into us and then uh, it makes I, what I what I feel like that would do is make you feel comfortable comfortable again around like your people and then it's kind of doing the same thing that the military does is it separates you from that group again and it sends you back home. Right. Um, which I exactly. think which I think is where a lot of us struggle with right is just getting separated from those type of people in that environment especially people that you can relate to. Um, I think that's fucking awesome. My my buddy was actually talking to me about trying to do. He, he said he, the same thing. He wants to have like a a piece of land where people can just come over and like well veterans could come over and do, that's that's fucking awesome. Um, I I think you should continue doing it. And um, if you do once yeah, you I got my uh, my old my old platoon sergeant uh, Cole uh, Staff Sergeant Cole. He uh, he's actually executive director of Warrior Reunion Foundations. And he gets all these, he'll go get, like, he'll get two seven together. Like, he'll get a reunion. That's fucking paper. cool. That's what he does. He's been helping me out a shit ton uh, with all my stuff. He's on the board and all that stuff. Uh, but, but he's having the same problem, too, with the COVID, you know, because, you know, once again, get people together. It's almost is like, illegal. Yeah. Oh, ha. That's cool, man. I um I think that's a that's an awesome idea, and I think you should. Uh, obviously, there's fucking the the, the COVID is is affecting a lot of a lot of issues here. And where are you planning to to host that nonprofit organization at? Right there in your in your uh, state. Uh, I want to run. I mean, the idea is to get it like a nationally nationally done thing, but hopefully cool. we get a pilot program done in Missouri. Missouri. Okay, yeah. that's awesome, dude. I th- I think that's fucking a great idea, and I think that <clears throat> that could definitely help out people um, dealing with that whole separation thing and not being around the, the the same type of environment and people. And I think uh, I think they could get some things out of that, especially when when you're showing them land shit and you know potentially just doing activities together. Right, um, just get just getting them back in the field, you know, just the, yeah, yeah. I think that hates being in the field, but then. You take them out of it now they're all sad yeah and then they just go back to just fucking being down and missing missing the boys and 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 missing right. the, the the activities that you get to do together i actually wanted to get with my butt with my two seven friends and go on like a go on like a hunt you know go on and go on and go, right, yeah. go camping and go on a hunt i think that'd be fucking awesome um obviously it requires money and organization and everybody getting together in one specific state and obviously the military's people from all over the fucking country um yeah um that's that's great let me know when you got more of it going and i'll fucking you know throw it on here on the podcast and um you know i'll try to blast it as much as i can on my facebook page as well um uh, 
so reaching out to reaching out to your buddies talking to them um did you did you go through did you go to any therapy that you would say helped or did you do any other things that potentially helped you a little bit more or was it more of just talking to to uh, your fellow marines uh i tried the whole ptsd clinic thing down yeah. at the va and uh i don't know what their problem is but for VA. yeah i mean for for them to put you in a room with some witch woman who's just mad at the world mm-hmm. and her to angrily tell you that it's not your fault isn't the way to accomplish anything. Yeah. So, and then they just want, you know, they, they want to medicate you. They want to put, pills of course. Your throat, you know? So, and I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. So yeah, like the best, the best thing for me was to dramatically cut booze out from my life. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost to the point of the entirety. Right. And just reaching back out to my brothers, just fucking calling them up, shooting the fucking shit for an hour or two. You know, yeah, just... yeah, that's definitely helped. Uh, I mean, it's helped me when I when when I was going through my, you know, my my dark times. I didn't want to talk to my. I felt this weird shame. I don't know about you, but I felt like a weird shame of like being weak. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want them to think that I was the uh, the weak one out of the group or whatever the fuck it was, which is stupid. Uh, I don't think you should have that mentality. I think it's okay to reach out and talk to people um, now, especially with this going on the podcast and um, just experiencing the fact I, I reached out to my gunny and I, I, I hit him up because I was I I guess I felt comfortable telling him because I know he was going through some shit himself. So I, I reached out to him and he, he really helped me get through my through my struggles. But um, when I when I was talking to my friends, because the first time I heard my buddy's stories was on the podcast. A lot of the boys on here that have been here were, were two seven guys. Um, yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah, and um, that was the first time me hearing that they fucking almost, you know, bit the bullet, you know, and 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 I just want people to know that it doesn't have to get to that point. It, it like you could fucking, you could, I can guarantee you, your buddies would be more than willing to hear you out and even just shoot the shit like you were saying. I think it's, I think it's important to to keep in touch. Um, whether it, it and it's not necessarily be in touch with all of them, just like the people who you were you were around with the most, the, the people that you really formed a, a, a bond with the most, and um, I, I think that's one big part. And I know it's something that people say a lot, where it's like, oh, reach out, reach out, reach out, and it's easy to say because it might not be the easiest thing to do. But here we are again, reach out, man. Like it's 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 Bruh. probably the best thing you can do. Uh, the pills i've heard terrible things about the pills for it i heard they fuck you up even more um for some people they might work but i've heard terrible things about them um therapy i've heard good and bad things like you said um it's some good some bad some people it just feels like they they really aren't there to actually fucking put the effort to help you through those uh things um yeah we have one of our marines he's a real good kid yeah you know, he's in school to like be a pastor and stuff. You know, a good kid. He ended up making national news, and he's in prison now. But, really? Yeah, for yeah, having a freak out. I mean, and that was like everything in that situation happened wrong, from the fucking VA to you know his mom calling the police to the police reaction to the situation. It just all made it worse. What and ended now, up happening with that? Like, what was a uh... He, uh, 
I guess the way the story goes is uh, he's kind of coming off them pills or wasn't taking them right or however that worked out. And he's smashing, you know, like a bottle of whiskey or something. And then, you know, his mom, he, he, I guess he couldn't, went flying out of the house. You know, he, this guy's married with kids. Mm-hmm. Went flying out of the house or whatever. And uh, they, how did it work out? I guess he goes flying out of the house. Mom calls the police, says, you know, her Marine son has PTSD. He's suicidal. Jeez. And then uh, this fucking douchebag cop, who's not even on duty. He's in his uniform, but he's either off his shift or getting ready to go into his shift. Spots him at a gas station and just immediately draws down on him. And so he ends up taking some gal and uh using her like a is or then i think the police did, uh however the words went down where police officer shot him jesus so christ and he starts using this gal as a human shield at knife point and then he throws her to the ground and steals her car and goes on this pursuit and then uh he just said he was gonna fucking end it and he hammered it down like a you know a two-lane road uh, Southline Road hammers it and he just drifts right over and, and hits some gal head on. And he, he did, he fucked her up real bad. He fucked himself up kind of bad, but not too bad, really. You know, he lived and all that stuff. And now he's doing like fucking like nine years. Jeez, I wonder how, how much different the situation would have been if instead of the mom calling the fucking cops, she could have just hit up one of her buddy his buddies, and exactly. They could have just talked him down, you know. Exactly. They or some cop just, you know, oh, he, he heard a bolo and he, you know, pulls his pistol off. Like, what the fuck? That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's, that's the, that's, I, it is, this is branching out a little bit, but I think that's the big issue with the, with the police department in the, in the States. Um, I think they're way undertrained when it comes to oh, what they do um we fucking train for fucking 10 months out of the year or whatever the fuck it is to deploy Every for day, really, yeah, yeah for a six month deployment um i think cops need more training because they they escalate shit when it's un it's not necessary i like i like to say it was harder for us to pull the trigger on somebody when we were overseas than it is for a fucking cop here like you like right. when we were there we had to like make sure I remember they were like, you have to get shot at first. And it's like, so if somebody, right. yeah, it's like, so when somebody, and, and, and if we do get shot at, the dude goes in the building, comes out with no rifle, you cannot shoot him because you lost line of sight. I was like, fucking kidding me. Like, right. but it's, but back here, it's like, you can shoot a civilian for fucking almost close to nothing. Obviously there's some cool cops and I, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not trying to bash on them. It's a hard job. But I think that there needs to be some better training when it comes to uh, just all around police department escalation of force or de-escalation. Um, again, I'm not in their shoes, so I can't really speak about it. Um, I don't probably have a fucking cop marine on here and uh, have him fill me in and those fucking in that information, and maybe he can speak on it a little bit more. But um, my whole thing about my whole thing about cops is you know they get they start them out about sixteen bucks an hour. And you ain't getting the cream of the crop for 16 bucks an hour. Oh, no way. No fucking way. Right. Not at all. And I've heard that as soon as they finish the academy, it's like, boom, out to the field. That's it. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. continuous training. 
Um, I'm sure they have like every training here and there, but I don't think it's it's uh, probably as well. Well, just just think about this: for them to keep their their post certification, that's their police officer certification, dealio, or, or it's peace officer something, whatever that certification is. They have to do eight hours of firearms training a, a year annually. That's it. Jesus, wow, eight hours, eight hours, and I think they're. Uh, their initial instruction is like 120 hours. The, the, the their academy, first one that like, they get at the academy. In the, in, their, in the academy, they get like 120 hours of firearms training. And then to keep their certs, they do eight hours of training annually. Wow. That's not shit, dude. I know. That's not shit. You could pull that off in a, a, literally a day and then never have to fucking fuck with your gun again until you have to no, shoot. No, that's what they do. It's, it's a one-day deal. Yeah. Wow. Uh, police departments, their big bitch about the whole thing is they ain't got the money to do it. You know, you understand that too. Sure, yeah, the funding, uh, I'm sure, especially right now. Um, I'm sure that's not, a, it's not easy to get funding in the police departments. Jeez, but I mean, if we want a better department, we got to be able to, uh, to invest in it. It's kind of like having firefighters without, <laughs> with just fire extinguishers, you know? It's like, right. it's like no, that's not going to work. You know, it's it just, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think we just need to we need to do we, well, not we, but the, somebody needs to do something, and they need to get them their funding and their training. And again, not an easy job. Uh, respect to those guys for sure. Um, Definitely. But I think um, I think there could be a better way about that. Maybe when I when I have that dude on here, if if he decides to come on here, uh, I'll ask him some questions about how that whole process is, and maybe we can get a better idea, especially right now with that being a big topic. Um, right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, brother. I think we're gonna call it here. I think this was a this was a good conversation. Um, I appreciate you coming on here and uh, telling your story. I think it's I think it's it's fucking awesome. Uh, obviously, it's it's some hardcore shit that you've done, and uh, you know, much respect to you and your fellow brothers and everybody. You know that that that, that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Um, and if you if you want to say something for anybody who's out there listening, or if you want to. Uh, maybe you can give me a few names um, after we're done here with this, and I could add them on to the to the to the end scene of the podcast, and <clears throat> you know to to add them as a remembrance. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but yeah, if if you wanna if you wanna say anything, a last note before we we cut the podcast here. No, just uh, I mean, if you're out there, you're having trouble. Just you know, reach out to your brothers. I mean, you used to rely on them at the worst possible moments in time and in your life i mean why wouldn't we reach out now yeah yeah definitely and uh like we said before i know it's easy to say but do it i promise you it'll get you through whatever you're experiencing and uh, um whether or not um, it'll always be awesome to just bullshit with them regardless uh, and check up on them as well because you never know how somebody's doing uh, we all like to put up a face sometimes and pretend everything's nice and dandy um but deep down it, it really can can be a, a struggle um, everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you again for coming on, brother. I appreciate you reaching out. Um, yeah, stay tuned for the next one, guys. Thank you. Peace.